Publisher Podcast, Episode 16. Well, good morning and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Publisher Podcast. Today is another one of our previous Women in Publishing Summit interviews, but it's a really, really, really important one for authors to be aware of, and that is different types of editors, different types of editing, and how to work with different editors. So this is a fantastic panel of some of my favorite editors that I have worked with. Stacey Aronson, Jenny Konevsky, Liz Thompson, Jody Brandon, and Dakota Knight. And we really get into a lot of discussion around Um, the different types of editing that you need to know and understand because editing is not the same across the board and you may need different types depending on where you are in the process, um, what type of book you're writing and all of those things. So we really talk about the process of working with an editor, um, the difference between developmental copy or line editing and proofreading and all of those things, red flags when trying to decide um, to, to work with an editor and all of those fun things. So I do want to encourage you, if you are watching or listening to this in uh, live time, it's February 17th. We are only two weeks away, not even two weeks away from the start of this year's conference. So do make sure you get your ticket at womeninpublishingsummit.com. If you're listening to this after the conference, that's cool too. Make sure you check out our events at womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash events. We have events ongoing all year round workshops, webinars, all of those things. We just hosted a fantastic webinar yesterday on writing romance. That's available on our YouTube channel, which not to throw everybody through some confusion here, and just to note the importance of of branding that is uh, consistent across the board, You know, I have two companies, Write, Publish, Sell, and the Women in Publishing Summit, and our YouTube channel you can find under Write, Publish, Sell, but it's where we post all of our webinars and all of that fun stuff. But check out womeninpublishingsummit.com, grab your ticket, um, go to womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash events if you want to see what webinars we have coming up. We run at least one, sometimes two webinars each month throughout the year, and um, you don't want to miss it. Okay, I hope y'all are having a fabulous February and that you are not impacted by the power outages in multiple states right now due to all the crazy ice um, and that you're having a fantastic week. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your Welcome back to the Women in Publishing Summit. This is the first of its kind, I do declare that this has never happened before, an all-female panel to talk to you about editing in an all-female summit. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about this panel. I have the pleasure of working with all of them and knowing them all personally, so it's, it's a great relationship that I have built with all of them, and as you come to find out, there are a lot of different kinds of editing and a lot of different kinds of editors that you may need. So the goal today is to provide you that insight and overview 
make you realize how important the editing process is and why you absolutely should not skip on editing if you skimp on anything else in your book production process. Um, I'm really excited to bring you the following ladies in our lineup. We have Stacey Aronson, and just as a side note, I will record their bios and, um, and include their bios all inside the notes of this, um, of this recording. I didn't want to waste all of our precious time going over their bios because these ladies are phenomenal and done a lot of exciting things, but I'm going to give you a quick rundown. So Stacey Aronson of The Book Doctor is In. She does all kinds of editing, developmental, copy editing, line editing, but she focuses primarily on nonfiction and memoir books. Then we have Jenny Konevsky. She also does all types of editing, but focuses largely on developmental editing, which if you don't know what that is, that's okay. Hang tight. We're going to make sure you know all about it. Uh, she edits mostly fiction books, but uh, does not exclude other books if they catch her attention, I'm going to guess. Right, Jenny? Correct. <laughs> all right. Then we have Liz Thompson. What am I saying? I can't talk. Then we have Liz Thompson, my sweet, dear friend, who is from Texas, as is uh, Jenny, actually. Do any of the mm -hmm. other else? None of, none of the rest of y'all live in Texas. No. Okay. Uh, Liz is a primarily focuses on developmental editing and copy editing. She also works with um, authors to build their writing from the get-go. She does primarily fiction, nonfiction, and cookbooks. And I have to tell you, I was so excited when I was at the um, book fair in New York City, and I saw one one of the books that Liz had edited. I was like, it's Liz's book. It's Liz's cookbook. It was a very exciting moment for me. Um, she does know, she wants to be very clear though, that no technical books. So if you have a technical business book, find, find a different editor. Then we have Dakota Knight. She largely does line editing, but sometimes that will pass over into the uh, developmental editing world and mostly non fiction. And last but certainly not certainly not least, if I could talk today, that would be better, is Jody Brandon. Now, do you go by Jody Brandon or Jody Chung? I go by Jody Brandon. Um, okay, you do that's go my by. maiden name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Good. Yeah, people get confused when I introduce myself as Jody Chung and I'm not a Chinese person. No. <laughs> but that is that's my married name. <laughs> Sorry, not so I've that, always kept that's... Brandon. I know, I know, I know. I, I get it. Everywhere. Everywhere I see you, it always has all the names. So I just, uh, I hesitated a little bit there. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't normally see her as just Jody Brandon. Okay, yeah. great. She is a developmental editor primarily and does author coaching and all nonfiction. So these are the editors in our lineup. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to start with a question to each person, but everyone else is, is uh, able to chime in after that if they have something else to say. And then um, we're just going to chit chat about editing and why it's so important and why you need these ladies in your life. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. We're going to start with Stacy. So um, you do all nonfiction and you focus on the memoir. So I don't know if it's just me because I'm in the book sphere now, but I feel like everybody and their brother wants to write their memoir now. So I am hoping that you can shed some insight into what makes a good memoir and things that they can do to um, prepare their book for their editor so that it's not a nightmare when you receive it. Of course, it's not going to be a nightmare because it's going to be a great book, but <laughs> we want to help you get it there. Yes. Well, I think uh, what a lot of people get confused about is that, you know, autobiography and memoir are two different things. 
So an autobiography might be more kind of birth to now or, you know, traditional biographies kind of are of historians or maybe celebrities, and they're kind of more of a full life trajectory of facts and things like that. Whereas a memoir really needs to focus more in on a specific part of life or a specific thing that has happened to you. So a memoir really needs to feel like a novel to kind of have that three act structure, that story arc, um, the conflict, uh, you know, something that someone's trying to overcome, whether it's a traumatic childhood or a difficult addiction time in their life, or, you know, it doesn't have to be tragic, but, um, but you don't just want to reminisce on all of your la 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 memories because that's not really compelling for a reader. So what I help people do is kind of hone in on that part of their life that has some significant lesson, something that would inspire, something that would help people feel like they could overcome, you know, maybe the same type of thing. So um, when you're looking to write a memoir, you really want to, you know, first of all, kind of figure out what that timeline really is and what you want to write about. And then, of course, things from way back can come into that. It doesn't mean you have to stay within a 10-year period or something like that, but you can weave in the past, um, and that certainly works really well. Um, but also just thinking about the actual events that will propel your overarching goal. So like when I'm sitting down and working with a memoirist, we want to look at all of the goals of the book. What are we trying to give to the reader? And you want to make sure that everything you're writing about is lending to those goals. And you might have 10 different things that you have as a goal, um, but you don't want to be straying from that and telling random stories and they really don't add to that goal. So that's probably one of the best pieces I could, I, of advice I could give for a beginning memoirist or someone who thinks they have something to share of value. So I'm going to ask this question, and it's probably a really taboo question, but somebody asked me this when I was doing an interview the other day, and it was, and, and anybody can answer this, should everyone who feels like they should write a memoir? Uh, no. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to dig into that a little bit? <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I think I think that there's everyone has something interesting to say about their life. We all, we all do, we all have a good story. Um, the question is, do we have a compelling enough story? As Stacy was saying, do we have a compelling enough story to reach enough readers to make it into the kind of adventure that will really make a good book? And, oftentimes we think we do um, but we may not and it's it may be a tough a bitter, little bit of a bitter pill to swallow but it just may not be that exciting and you if you if you're a good writer why not write fiction you know if you're if you're if you're a really good writer and you really want to write um, you may have better luck writing a really good story without having to be hamstrung by facts mm -hmm. and um and then you can you, you really you have so much more freedom mm -hmm. and you have so much more at your fingertips when you when you're not hamstrung by by actual facts mm -hmm. so yeah. 
And that's so, an excellent piece of advice. And I, could, I would just like to add that it's true. Sometimes fictionalizing your own story is the best way to go because mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have something that interesting for readers just all by yourself, but creating fiction out of it can be mm -hmm. fabulous. Mm -hmm. yeah. I actually have a, a slightly different take on it. Um, it was actually just this morning that I saw a headline about the power of writing a memoir and how it can be very therapeutic for working through things that happened in your life. That's a good point. So I am um, I'm very much with Jenny on that not everybody has a compelling story. But if you think about the purpose of your book and why you're trying to write it, um, my great aunt wrote a story, her memoirs, about how she did things, you know, back when she was younger and how the family sort of came out. They came from an oil family and there was all this stuff. And so there's, there's value in knowing your family history. But I mean, I imagine, you know, if you're watching this, then you're not going to be wanting to write a book just for your family. But if you keep in mind what your goals are, I don't know that it's necessary to not write your memoirs mm -hmm. just because it's not a compelling story, because there's still a reason for it for your family or for you personally. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a great point. point. Yeah. yeah. I would add, I'm sorry, I would add very quickly that there, is, there are ways to um, incorporate memoir style stories into other types of books. So for example, I have many clients who write a book that they are, their focus is to um, expand a platform of their business, like into speaking mm -hmm. and but they want and so there are there is a business aspect of their book that is not it's not a memoir book, but they use memoir style stories to to um, enhance points that they're making about how to build a business or how to how to scale a business, or how they've gotten to where they're at in their business. So I think that there are ways to incorporate memoir style um, stories that are pieces that are compelling about your life, but incorporate them in a non memoir type book. If that That's excellent. That makes sense. Yes, yeah, I agree. I'm seeing that a lot as a trend actually lately. These a lot of women writing self-help books that are including a lot of personal stories into their into their basically self-help book rather than memoir. I think that relieves a lot of pressure too. Then because then you're not you don't have that whole pressure on trying to write it like you would write a fiction. Um, and it really does have to. When I think about the best memoirs that I have ever read, um, The Glass Castle, Wild, some of the more popular ones like that, I mean, I thought they were fiction until I knew they were memoirs. <laughs> you know? so, so, yeah, um, very good point. Okay, so moving right along here. Jenny, you, speaking of fiction, like to work with fiction authors. So for the fiction um, writers in our audience mm -hmm. who are just thinking about like how do I get going in this process and what do I do um what are some of the ways that that you help work with fiction writers do you wait until people get the book or do you do any type of coaching and do you have any advice sorry three big questions here do you have advice for someone on how, what to do before they send their fiction book to an editor um well I um I don't typically do coaching so normally when i get the manuscript it is in its final draft form mm -hmm. um that's and and that's when i do what we call developmental ed editing which you said you were going to kind of define so i'll sort of define what that means to me <laughs> and to me that is um so there's 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 proofreading which is you know checking for typos checking for grammatical errors that sort of thing 
And then as you go down the line of editing, you get deeper and deeper into, um, uh, into, the, into the work. And once you get to developmental editing, you're getting into, is there consistency in the story? Did, did she call the character Jim in one paragraph and then in the next chapter call him Joe? You know, did she refer to him as being blonde and, and angry sort? And then in the next paragraph, refer to him as having a, a nice demeanor. You know, is there consistency throughout the story? Is there, is there, does it flow? Um, just very, very, you know, deep into the story and in a sense, helping to sort of write the story and make sure that it flows and that it sounds melodic and mellifluous and, and, and beautiful as opposed to halting. Is it an active voice? Are there extra words? Are there prepositional phrases at the end of sentences? That sort of thing. So that's really where my passion is, is to get into the, the meat of the, of the book. And I like to get it when it's, at, at, when it's done mm -hmm. and when the story's all complete. Um, and then what was your other question? I'm sorry. There, there was- <laughs> I don't think you'd be oh, preparing. What, what people can do what to- What can people uh, do to prepare? So yeah. what people can do to prepare is they can proofread because everybody has spell check. You know, and everybody Grammarly. has- <laughs> Use Grammarly. Everybody should know how to use it. And so there's no reason why you want to hire somebody at my rates to do, to, to spell check your, your, your manuscript. And there's, you just really just shouldn't, shouldn't need to do that. In addition, I feel that an author, once you get to the point where you've written an entire manuscript, there are a couple of, you know, sort of simple rules, just simple sort of basics that I would say any anyone who's writing a full-on manuscript kind of needs to keep in should keep in mind. One is the use of active voice. And I just cannot emphasize that enough. I cannot emphasize that enough. That is an active, an active voice. If I had said, Jenny said Alexa's question from, by Alexa's question, Jenny said she was very firm about that. No, I cannot emphasize that enough. That is an active sentence that is, I mean, I'm not using, I'm not giving you a very good example, but really you, you, can, you can tell in a sentence when the dog was bitten by me. I was bitten by the dog. The dog bit me. The dog bit me. That's active. The dog bit me. That's it. That's, that's powerful. Not I was bitten by the dog. The dog bit me. So you want to go through and go through your manuscript and you want to make sure that it feels like there's action going on. It feels like it's propelling the story along. I mean, as Stacy mentioned, when she talked about memoir, are there, are there parts of the story that people are putting into their memoir that are propelling the story forward? Or are there parts of the story that they're putting in there that don't have to do with the goal? And if there are, then you, you don't need them. You may really like them as the writer, but that doesn't mean you get to keep them in the book. Right. So you really want to propel the story along with action because people lose, you know, people lose uh, attention. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then the other, the, the other piece of advice I would give is take out any non-words. And non-words I define as things like just, 
um, really very, 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 yeah. very, you know, very, very, very pretty girl. Kind of, <laughs> everybody's nodding, right? So, you know, if I, I did a manuscript for somebody the other day, or actually it was a couple of months ago, and I took out 22,000 justs. <laughs> 22,000. <laughs> Wait a minute. 22,000. <laughs> Just? just how long is this book <laughs> it was not that long oh my gosh. <laughs> wow so, wow yeah i'm just saying <laughs> that you don't really need just or you know so anyway those are my those are my little tips Wow. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine. That must have been a little bit annoying to read. <laughs> it, was, it was. And think about it. And when you and when you when you take the sentences and you compare the two, the sentence without the just is so much more powerful than the mm -hmm. sentence with the just. Yeah. Even though you think adding just em adds emphasis. It really doesn't. It takes emphasis away. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it's more powerful. Right. So um, let me add in Liz and Jody into this discussion because you two are primarily developmental editors as well. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to add from the developmental side? Uh, either uh, your description of what developmental editing is, if it varies at all, and then um, what you like to see in order to help someone through the process. Well, I would say, first of all, I totally agree with Jenny's comments. They apply to nonfiction as well as fiction um, wholeheartedly. Um, I, sometimes I, nonfiction, I sometimes see the manuscript earlier on, um, which I prefer um, if I'm going to be doing developmental editing slash coaching. Um, those lines sometimes get blurred. Um, but it's easier for me, I think, if I'm involved early on in the discussion of what the book's goals are, um, who the ideal reader is, and how we're going to mesh those two things as we create the structure of the book. Um, I sort of work through a process of almost like a, an audit once the book is finished based on that initial work we do where what's your overall goal or goals for the book? What's the goal then of this chapter? What's the goal of this section? How is it driving that bigger goal? Are we meeting that bigger goal and that sort of thing? So, but yeah, I mean, same, same kinds of tips. Go through that manuscript with a fine tooth comb before you're paying for something you don't need to be paying for. Right. Yeah, I agree with Jody. Similar to Jody, my, many of my clients, um, we work throughout the writing process, not just at the end of the manuscript. And so we, we define their why, we define what is the purpose of the book. Um, outside of just, I want to publish a book or it's on my bucket list. It's really, what do you want to get out of it? What do you want the readers to know, do, or act differently than they did before they read your book? And then we go through the content to make sure that the content serves that specific purpose as they write so that when I get the manuscript to edit, it's not a full total rewrite, which in many cases it ends up being because it doesn't serve the purpose that they intended to serve. Um, some of the very easy tips that I recommend um, my, my um, clients do is read your book out loud. Mm -hmm. um, because when you read it out loud, you will find patterns and discrepancies and um, even um, repetitiveness that you don't see when you're, when you're reading um, to yourself. And um, 
It also helps, I always um, tell them, don't write like you speak. So most of us will speak, we'll say just a lot or very or like, mm -hmm. but when we write, you don't want to write the way you speak. And so um, I tell them, take out that word and tell me if the sentence still makes sense. If it still makes sense, you don't need it mm -hmm. in most cases. And so there, I mean, there's some really easy tips that people can use. I mean, Grammarly will do a really good job of the free version of Grammarly. A lot of my clients mm -hmm. use it. And it does, um, it does highlight overused words. If you've used a word many, many times in, in, a, in a small sample of your writing, then you're using that word too many times and you probably need to come up with some other options. So there's some easy ways to do that, but I think that if you can get eyeballs on your manuscript as a writer before the editor gets it for editing, um, that would really serve you well, just even from an expense and time perspective, working with your editor, if you can get them to look at it in advance your editing timeline will be much shorter and probably less painful. And I would, I would add to, to Liz, it's absolutely invaluable to read it out loud. That's, I, I neglected to say that, but that is just a huge, I mean, I read my work out loud. I read my author's work out loud because sometimes I can't tell what does this mean or does this sound okay? It's just that you really, it's so, I so often I get clients who don't want to pay the developmental editing cost. They would rather me, me just do copy editing or proofreading and because that's less expensive. And I say, well, did you spell check? And they say, yes. And I said, well, then you already proofread it. You know, it's, you, you really don't, don't think that top authors don't have developmental editors because they do, they all do. It's just, it's an invaluable and the reading out loud. That's an excellent tip. Excellent. Just like greatest tip. Right. Um, okay. Dakota. So you like to do primarily line editing, but you will move into the developmental side if, uh, if necessary. And I know you've been working on a book like that recently. So can you, uh, give us a description of what the biggest difference in your expertise is between line editing and developmental editing or copy? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I'm listening to everybody else and I'm going, yeah, you know, my mental version of what line editing is, is like sort of a paragraph by paragraph. And I do go bigger than that. Um, the very first thing I do when I get a piece is read the entire thing, you know, and then I go through and sort of mark, okay, these pieces aren't fitting in. So it's possible that I'm actually more developmental than I think, mm -hmm. um, but I tend, <laughs> I tend yes. yeah, I tend raise to your work. prices, Dakota. Yes, you yeah, prices. <laughs> yeah, I tend to work with a lot of um, artists and um, English as second language people. So uh -huh. there's always that kind of you know when I get a manuscript, I think it's a little less polished than um, what maybe some of you other ladies are seeing, and so you know like. I don't know, I have a background in journalism and technical writing, so it's like, okay, what are you trying to say? And is this clear? And a lot of times I'm going through and I'm like, nah, this doesn't make sense. This isn't, <laughs> you know, this is not uh, supported further up in the manuscript. This needs to be more clear. This, no, you can't say this. This is gonna be completely misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's kind of, a, it's, it's an interesting process. And I think I've wandered away from your question. <laughs> Oh, that's quite all right. You're still sharing interesting information. I was just uh, asking for you to define to the audience what the difference between line edit 
what a line edit yeah. would be as opposed to developmental editing? So, yeah, like I said, I think of it as looking at it on a, um, on a paragraph by paragraph basis, a sentence by sentence basis, rather than looking at the very micro pieces of the, of the manuscript, like, um, you know, the word types and the grammar and the prepositions. Um, it's a little bit bigger, the view is a little bit bigger, but I would say to me, developmental is like, um, like I think Liz and Stacy were saying, you know, you're looking at the, the entire goal of the book and how it's working, you know, what path are you taking from beginning to end? And I don't do that usually. Got it. Well, and the other part of, I think of a developmental, the things that I do from a developmental perspective that is different than copy. And I personally do not offer just copy edits. Um, for me, it's a package of developmental and copy. I don't feel like uh, for the works, books that I'm doing, I don't feel like just copy does it justice. And so I don't want to associate with a book that I don't feel like I've been able to give it my full attention from a developmental perspective. But um, some of the things that from a developmental perspective that I do, um, I do, I do less fiction than Jenny does, but um, is I will go in and read the story and say, you know, it would be a really good idea to insert a personal anecdote here to prove that point. Or, you know, we, we look at the, I look at the, the layout of the book from a chapter perspective and say, you know, this chapter eight really should be your last one because that's your call to action. That's what you want them. And so we look at the, I look at the overall structure of the book and give recommendations to make it more compelling and to make it, they make their message clear. Um, and that has nothing to do with, you know, spelling or punctuation or sentence structure. It has to do with the flow of the book and making sure that you're experiencing it in the way that the writer intended you to experience it. And so that that overall body of work serves the goal of the writer at the end of the day, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Actually, I have done that <laughs> and like switch these chapters around. I think yeah. you do more developmental than you think. I, yeah, probably. I think you like do it. as well, Dakota. I think you like Raise it. your prices. <laughs> so speaking of prices, that's actually, well, I'm going to come back to that actually, because um, I want people to be prepared for what they're going to have to um, look at. But before I go on to that, let me talk to Jody really quickly. So um, you do, you like to coach people through, now do all of your clients come to you as coaching or do you do straight editing as well? I will do copy editing, but probably 85, 90% of my work now is, is coaching. Um, I work with a lot of um, entrepreneurs and bloggers. So they are they're used to the investment mm -hmm. in services that will help them grow their business and they're using a book as a tool to grow their business most of my clients so there's no um well i shouldn't say there's no there's less sticker shock probably <laughs> right absolutely um, so um in your opinion and and liz can hop in on this one too because you you both do this um and i'm not sure stacy if are you doing any coaching yet or are you are you straight um editing I, I do to a degree. It depends on the actual book and, right. you know, the genre or whatever's going on with it. But yeah, I have done that too. Well, I would just like to say you just naturally coach people. You just, oh, <laughs> you're so sweet. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that you just naturally coach people without it even being part of the package. It would look a lot uh, better if you did. <laughs> so for, you. for Jody and Liz, um, um, I, I, 
sidetracked myself there. Oh, for somebody who, okay, so say I'm writing this book and I know that I've heard I need to start looking for an editor earlier in the process. Um, at what point ideally would you like to see people come in? You want to grab them at the beginning or somewhere in the middle? Obviously the end is no bueno because you can't <laughs> them after it's already all done. <laughs> for me, the beginning is the easiest because then there's no catch-up work you're you've right. been there all along um i mean best case scenario for me they they know what their goals are they know essentially what they want to write but they haven't completely fleshed it out yet um and then i can sort of be part of that process and you know just walk through the entire thing alongside them that's i mean that's my best case scenario mm -hmm. so perfect that makes yeah, sense similar. I think for me, it's similar. It's having somebody at the very beginning where they, they want to write a book. They have some level of clarity as to why they want to write a book. Mm -hmm. um, what I do find is through the coaching process, you do uncover things that they themselves did not know that they wanted to do or that they wanted to accomplish. And so going through at the very beginning is very helpful. If I have clients that, because I've had clients that have come to me um, with almost a completed manuscript and just feel like it's not what they thought it would be or they're not, super, they're not happy with it. Um, as long as they're open-minded to be able to go through the process of discovering their why and really understanding their goals and being open-minded enough to change the book if they needed to, to be able to adjust to um, reaching that, those goals that they, that they now know they have, then I can work with them at any stage. If they're coming to me with a finalized manuscript and like, listen, I've already invested six months in this book, I'm not gonna change it then that's not ideal because I can't help them with a, create a better, a better product if they're not open-minded. But ideally at the very beginning, um, but I've worked with people that have almost a completed manuscript but are open to changing it. Yeah, so. you, you, you bring up a couple of good points there and that is um, the, it, it, with any editor, being open to change and not, you know, not fighting that. So if you're sending your book to an editor and they're making suggestions, uh, unless they just completely don't understand the message that you're trying to to convey. Usually the editor knows a few things and is trying to make sure that your book is the best version possible so that people will buy it and enjoy it. But um, also, oh, you said one other thing and now I've lost it. There's too many beautiful women staring at me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling under pressure here. Okay. So, well, let's just move right on to pricing. And if it comes up, then I will um, come back to it. So pricing, this is something that I find extraordinarily uh, interesting, I should say, because the price ranges vary tremendously, um, not only by individual, but obviously by style. Of course, you're uh, by type of editing. Obviously, you're going to pay a whole lot more for a good solid developmental edit than you are for somebody to proofread your book. Um, if you want to disclose, you don't have to disclose your pricing ranges. That's fine with me, but I would kind of like to talk in general terms so that our audience can get a, a picture of trying to understand what they should budget for and why. So the first question I'm going to ask, and, and anybody, um, we might just go down the line. I think I'll just go Stacy, Jenny, Liz, Dakota, Jody, mm -hmm. and you can kind of answer what you want to. So it's a two-part question. Like, um, what uh, 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 budget range? And then um, if, if 
this, this is a question I was going to ask earlier and forgot about it. So if they needed to work with multiple types of editors, say you only do developmental or you only, and they really just need a copy edit or it, et cetera, is it unheard of for people to work with multiple editors along the line if they need a copy edit and developmental and the person that they've chosen doesn't do both? And, and how does that work? Do you work with other editors to make sure that they get to the right person? Or I'd love to hear, that might be two really big questions. Let's just start with the first one and then we'll come back to the second <laughs> one. <laughs> so Stacy, budget yeah. range. <laughs> um, well, in general, um, I would say most books end up being between two to 3,000 for editing. Um, again, it depends on the length, it depends on the complexity. Um, and what I typically do is developmental and copy editing together. Okay. So I think Liz said the same thing. Um, I will be honest and say that every single time an author has come to me and said, all I need is a copy edit, it has never only needed a copy edit ever. It has right. always needed a developmental edit. So when they say that to me, I say, oh, so you've already had a developmental editor. No, but I've been working on it so hard and for so long that I think all I need is a copy edit. That's never been the case ever. So um, typically um, for me, it's $80 an hour. Um, and the range of hours really varies, yeah. but, um, I would say, you know, two to 3000, which I know is a big range, um, is kind of average. Mm -hmm. If the book needs a lot of developmental work, like they've written the whole thing and I didn't get to be in on it at all until it was done. Um, sometimes it needs a whole lot more work. Like I worked on a memoir with someone who English is his second language. Oh boy. Um, it was an extremely compelling memoir. Um, he has, he's a good writer in the sense that he, he knew like kind of certain things to put in there, but he didn't really know how to say it the right way or structure it the right way. So I had all these pieces of this very traumatic thing that happened in his life. And I just had all these pieces and pieces of his past. And I was literally putting the book together. And that was like a $5,000 book. And that was only for 40,000 words. So, you know, really the, the range is kind of crazy. If I copy edit alone, it's 60 an hour. If I do proofreading alone, it's 40 an hour. Or usually I do $2 per 250 words. And that just kind of, you know, settles it out that way. Um, so those are, those are my pricing. <laughs> <laughs> ranges. Awesome. All right, Jenny. <laughs> so, um, so this is interesting, and you know that this is interesting because I've been in the process of kind of refining my pricing model, um, and I'm I'm kind of where Stacy is in that every time someone's come to me and said, "I only need copy editing," or "I only need you know a passover," I've they've always also needed a developmental editing and they always say, Oh, but I've been, I've been working on it for so long. My mom read it and you know, she used to be a teacher and she, you know, she's really smart. And, and so um, there, there tends to be, you know, a, a, you, you kind of have to get over that hump with the client mm -hmm. first. I've also gone from, um, vacillated between pricing by the hour, pricing by the package, pricing by the word. And I kind of have tried a couple different things and I'm now, I think probably going to stick with pricing by the word, um, which is depending on the level of complexity of developmental editing, gonna range between six cents and eight cents a word. 
something like that. So it usually ends up being, depending on the length of the manuscript, around 2,000 to maybe 5,000 mm-hmm. for a manuscript. So we're in that same price range. Um, if I did, when I was doing hourly, it was 60 for copy editing, you know, 75, 80 for developmental editing. So same, same kind of price range as Stacy. Um, but I found that hourly, hourly makes clients nervous. I think, I think hourly feels like, and it, it makes me nervous a little bit too, because, um, it just feels like, I think, I think base price uh, or rather flat fee pricing is more comfortable. And that's why pricing per word for me feels more comfortable. And I think for the client, it feels more comfortable too. They've written 80,000 words. It's seven cents per word. It's this much mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And it's nine cents per word. If it needs that much more developmental and editing right. or it's five cents per word if it needs that much less developmental editing but right. that's the price period you know um before before we move to liz's response this is something dakota and i have had long conversations about because i think one of the things that that authors and and i i understand this as an author myself like it's really scary to invest that much money in the mm-hmm. editing process because many of us think well I don't really need that level of editing or I don't really, you know, I can skip that part of the process. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is that when you get into having a book that, that, that is that level of quality versus, you know, the next level, it impacts everything, especially if you're trying to be, if you want your book in bookstores and in libraries and in college, you know, libraries or wherever you want it to be. I mean, the difference in passive and active voice and things like that, that a lot of us as writers don't put that much um, time into, it makes a big difference as a consumer. Um, But, you know, I think one thing that authors don't, don't really realize, and it goes with, I do interior layout is how much time it, you can wind up soaked into a product that, you know, you, you look, you look at it and you think, oh, this doesn't look like a very heavy duty you know, it looks, their writing's okay. And then you wind up 72 hours later, like, <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, I, I understand the difference between like hourly versus word charging, but also why some of the, if people are thinking, oh my gosh, that's so much money to spend on editing. I can just use Grammarly and call it a day. Well, mm-hmm. you can, sure. Okay. That's always an option, mm-hmm. for it, but you may be disappointed down the road. So, okay, Liz, let's, let's come in with you because you uh, mostly do, you charge by the word as well, right? I do. Um, I do for a couple of reasons. One, because by the hour is a lot of work for me <laughs> to track my hours. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so I charge by the word. I charge for editing, for straight editing, it's by the word. And it's the number of words that the um, writer is sent to me in their final manuscript, not the final that we end up with. Right. Um, but with that, I don't get, so I don't give my, my clients an option of developmental or copy. Um, they get both. I do two rounds of edits. So they, it ranges between five and eight cents per word, depending on the level of editing needed, how, how big the manuscript is, the complexity of the manuscript and you know what shape it's in. 
the way I define the way that I uh, define the price for a specific client is I request before I agree to work with them because I do have a wait list. I um, request a sample of their writing. And that gives me an idea of how much work it will need. Just, at, you know, it's a sample, so it's not going to be perfect. I've gotten some where the sample is fantastic and the rest of the book is not. Um, but at least I do some due diligence where I'm working with the right people and making sure that they, that, that um, manuscript is fit to my, um, my expertise. And it gives them an idea of my style and if they like my style or not, because I return back to my clients or prospective clients a sample edit. Um, it's not as in-depth, but it gives them an idea of what my comments will look like. Um, after I do that, I, I can give them a quote for editing. So for editing, it does range between probably two to 3,000 all the way up. I've, I've charged 6,000, uh, up to 6,000 for a book um, because it was much, much more complex and longer. Um, for the, if I have clients that want the, the coaching process as well as the editing, then it's a package deal. It's a package cost. And that package cost includes all of the coaching. We do calls, we do a different exercises. They get a workbook where we work through the different um, stages of writing a book. And then they, it includes the editing at the end. But because I'm working with them throughout the editing, I expect to be less ex extensive. And so the price goes down on the editing to like 1500 to 2000. And then the package is between 3,500 and $4,000 for a package deal. And I'm spending a little bit more time up front, but less in the editing. Um, and it's a, it's a, so if you get the package with one-on-one, -on -one, it's a one cost. Um, if it's the, if it's a just for editing, developmental and copy, two rounds, then it's five to eight cents per word mm -hmm. range. Awesome. Um, can I add something else that just sure. to tack on to what Liz said? If you're if are you done? If you're done, Liz, with I do the same thing with. Um, the sample edit and I think it's really important not just for yourself but also for the client because they get to see your style and some clients some clients are not gonna you know I have a certain style of editing I have a very kind of I just have a certain style of editing and I want to make sure that they're gonna be okay with that right and I'm not gonna hack through their whole <laughs> their right. whole novel and have them come back and go but you took out too much or, or you, you know, you took out all my justs. Where did all my justs go? <laughs> and I would say just as a, as a piece of advice, um, Alexa, for people listening that are going to be interviewing editors, it's really important to ask what comes along with that price. So if it's five cents a word or if it's $80 an hour, what do I get? Right. For me, I'm very clear. You get two, two, two rounds of editing. Two rounds of revisions. Not all, right. not all editors do that. Some editors do one round. So it's really important to ask the questions of what you get with that pricing and make sure it's, it meets your needs. Yeah, that's a great point. And the other thing is that I, I do this. I don't know if any of y'all do this on your, on your contracts, but I require a non-refundable deposit for all my contracts. Yep. So if I have a contract, um, say it's you know $3,000, and they're going to be paying me in installments of you know five five payments. I'll do the first payment is two fifty maybe, but the first two fifty is non refundable. So um, and it comes it comes out of the three thousand, but the first two fifty is non refundable. So let's just say we get through the first two fifty, and they suddenly go, never mind, I'm not going to do this. I'm not. I haven't invested, you know, however many hours in right. in editing their book and then they just decide we'll forget it and then I'm and I also by the way I want my 250 back right right um so just to make sure that's just a little 
Yeah, I mean, I've been burned. Yeah. It's not like I just came up with that just because I'm so smart. No, I, I get it. I totally get it. It's the world of service industry. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> um, Dakota, what about you? How are you structured? Um, well, it's interesting because I actually did the opposite of Jenny. <laughs> so I, I'm moving more towards hourly. And um, so with me, uh, I also ask for a sample edit and I edit it the way I would edit. And it's kind of funny because, yeah, I get a lot of clients who are like, yeah, I just need a proof. I just need it, you know, just clean it up a little bit. It's like, mm, no, we could, we could really clean this up a lot. Let's, let's get rid of these to be verbs. Could we, uh, let's make sure you're really clear about what you're saying. Um, so, you know, the nature of the projects that I work on, it, the price is all over the place, you know, because some of them are very short and some of them are very long. And so, um, I, at this point, I tend to look at the project, I look at the sample that they give me, I ask for a sample that's representative of, uh, of their writing. So something from the middle of the book, not the first chapter, <laughs> you know, it, it needs to be something that's going to give you a really good idea of, um, of what everything is like, you know, right. like Liz was saying, sometimes her sample is going to be fantastic. And then the rest of the book is, okay, well, we, we need to put a little more work in here now. Um, so with me, typically what I'll quote is uh, one edit and then a revision that goes, you know, where I go back, because I do um, suggested rewords too. Um, you know, I'll say, you could try to say it like this, unless it's really bad, in which I'm like, this needs to be rewritten, <laughs> you know, but if I can, I'll be like, maybe you could consider this, or you could consider this word, or you could consider these things. Um, and then Occasionally, we'll need more than that in terms of um, reviewing the changes that they've made, but then the last thing I do is a final proof, and then I'll, I'll send it to them. So the quote varies depending on, you know, how good the sample is and, um, and how much it's actually going to need. I've had some where I needed to go through and do three different versions. This was a ESL manuscript, um, and then others where it was like one, okay, you're done. So, you know, it, it varies. Um, I'm usually around 45 to $60 an hour right now mm -hmm. for what I do. So, and also keep in mind, I'm working with a starving artists, you know, yes, so yes. yeah. <laughs> well, yes. And they need, they need that, that price break. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, Jody. Uh, my model is very similar, not surprisingly to Liz's, um, <laughs> developmental and copy editing is a package. Um, it comes with, you know, like the coaching calls and all of that. And then um, that's, and then copy editing is per word. Um, a word is a word. There's no arguing. <laughs> There's no, um, I also ask for a sample from the middle. Um, the beginning chapters are usually the ones that are, you know, have been worked on the most. So they're not always representative as we know. Um, and then, yeah, a little sample edit, which I consider like part of our job as editors to really, that's part of educating the client on what the editing is gonna do for them you know, how it can improve their work and, you know, make it more polished, make it more professional, all of those things, um, and help them see the investment in editing. So, so yeah, I mean, very similar process to Liz's. 
Yeah. Um, so I was just interviewing somebody else prior to this interview. And the, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because she, I wrote it down um, because she said, you need people, authors need to approach your book like it's a business. And I mean, it's so true. Would you, would, would you put something out into your business or if you were starting a business or running a business, you would never dream of just putting your, your first draft say you want to sell clothes or something, you're the first pair of shorts that you ever sewed would not be what you would be trying to sell people. You know, it's, the same, it's the same concept. This is now you're writing a book you're in, the, in the hopes of selling a book, I'm assuming, or you probably wouldn't be listening to this. Um, and it needs to be approached like a business and it needs to be, you need to approach that with a business plan and a business idea. And part of that needs to be editing. But I think the fascinating, a big part of that needs to be editing. Um, I think a fascinating part about listening to this, this, um, this whole panel is that there are all kinds of different people to work with, all kinds of different styles, methods, pricing, everything. And that finding your editor really should be like finding a partner when you're dating, you know, you mm -hmm. should, it's my opinion, you should, you should ask multiple people, get a sample from multiple people because, you know, you're, you're investing a large amount of money and you're investing a large amount of time and building a relationship mm -hmm. with this person. And I think most people can get a pretty good feel from somebody from off the bat, if it's somebody that they feel like they could work with or not. Mm -hmm. um, and trust. And trust. Mm -hmm. They have to trust you. Yes. I mean, Definitely. you know what I mean? They can't see they can't see it as an adversarial relationship. It has to be a collaborative one or exactly. it's gonna be awful for everyone. <laughs> exactly. Um, so has there ever been a situation and we can just, anybody who, who says yes to this can. So has there ever been a situation where you, you did find somebody who needed a different level of editing than what you normally provide? And do you often refer them to other people or do you change your editing? What would you normally do? Like if someone comes to you and lo and behold, they actually only need a copy edit, but you only do developmental editing or something like that. Do you work with other editors? Yeah, I refer them. Yeah, I refer them yeah. to, I mean, when somebody comes to me with a fantastic, more technical business book, um, I send it to Jody. I'm like, Jody's your girl. That's not something that I typically do well. Um, but, you know, I, I did have a client who only wanted copy early in my business. And because when you're starting at your business, you're terrified to say no to people, mm -hmm. you need clients, and you want to build your business. And so you're like, ah, it feels really bad, but I'll do it. Um, and it ended up being a really poor experience for myself and for the, and for the client because he got, a, he got what he asked for, but his book did not look like what he wanted it to look like when it got published. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I really learned my lesson to say, you know, this is, this is my strong suit. This is what I do. And if, and if you want something that I don't do or don't feel comfortable doing, there are other people who their strong suit is copy and they feel very comfortable just doing copy. Um, so I think knowing what you're good at, knowing where you're comfortable, and then being able to refer people to other experts, mm -hmm. like on this panel, who that's what they do, and that's what they do best. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I refer people to other um, editors all the time. I um, yeah. had an experience with somebody who simply didn't want to pay the developmental editing prices, and was convinced that all he needed was sort of proofreading slash very borderline copy editing. And I was really new, really, really, really green. I mean, and I just wanted the business. And so I took, I took it 
and I and I could tell from reading the sample that I was I mean I, I did it to myself and and I thought well it'll get better you know, it'll get better as as he as it goes on and that was the 22,000 justs mm. and um, you know I, I what I ended up doing and and I did this about a third of the way through the through the process as I found myself starting to do developmental editing for I don't know like $35 an hour and I thought no I, I, I'm gonna stick my head in an oven like I can't this is insane and I emailed him and I said, Michael, this is, you know, this is not, this, your book needs something else. And since it's not in your budget, I'm not going to be able to do it. So what I am going to do is I'm going to make comments. Mm -hmm. And so instead of doing, doing the actual editing, I went through and I picked just a few key places in the book where I saw the, the issues and I made comments so that then he could go back and rewrite. And I just said, you just need to do a partial rewrite. Mm -hmm. And because I just, I didn't feel like in good conscience, I couldn't, I couldn't point it out, but I also wasn't gonna go back and redo the whole thing. So then I went back and I just, it was really hard to not do it, <laughs> but I just went, went and did the justs and the copy editing and the stuff that I was getting paid for. And I left the other and I left the rest of it there, but I just put like just tiny little comments, tiny little, like an asterisk or something like that. Um, because I think, I think that's really helpful. And I mean, it, especially if, if it was because he couldn't afford, at least you've given him something that will help him improve his book without having to, yeah. And I mean, uh, and I know Liz and I have done several webinars and um, joint presentations together. And we often talk about the importance of beta readers as well. And how, if you really have a difficult time coming up with the budget, putting your book in front of other people mm -hmm. to read and review and feed, provide you some of that feedback for free, you shouldn't be paying beta readers. And then, <laughs> and then no. that can help you reduce before you, before you do go to an editor. But um, we are coming up short on time. I've really enjoyed um, interviewing all of you and getting your different perspectives. I think we've done a really good job at letting the audience see that there's a lot of styles of editing and editors and how important it is. So what I'd like to do is just quickly run through the whole, um, the whole line of you and have you briefly say um, where people can find you, obviously, and then maybe not your favorite clients because I don't want you to feel like you're, but, but the person that, that you feel most compelled to work with so that people in our audience will know this is my girl. Um, so Stacy, we'll start with you. Uh, well, you can find me at the book doctor is in.com. And you know, for me, I actually have an FAQ on my website that gives all the categories that I connect with best and that I'm most aligned with and have the most I can share and help people develop. So it could be anything from self-help to leadership to parenting, um, collectibles. I mean, there's like a whole bunch of things, but it also says what I don't do. And I, and it's really helpful for authors. If people, if editors have that on their websites, that's a good tip for all of us. <laughs> all right, Jenny. Um, you can find me at jennykanevsky.com. And um, I don't have something really super helpful like Stacy does on her website. <laughs> so there's that. Um, what I have on my website actually is mostly about my copywriting business. So, so um, I do 
my ideal client, I think, is somebody with some a little bit of chutzpah and uh, who's willing to just kind of lay it out there uh, and not afraid to push the envelope a little bit because uh, that's kind of how I am. Um, I do like to work with fiction, but I also work with nonfiction. I do copywriting. I do copy editing. I, I do a kind of a little bit of everything. So what I would say is if you like my style and you think you would like working with me, ask. Mm -hmm. Just just ask because you just never know it might be a fit. Liz. Yes. So um, you can find me on my website, housestyleediting.com. And my, you know, my ideal client, I work with men and women. Um, and lately I've been working with a lot of entrepreneurs, which really seems to be a really strong fit for, for me because I'm an entrepreneur. Um, but it, practically speaking, it's really the authors that are wanting, wanting to write a book to continue to build their business, but wanting and have the passion to share also their personal story and their lessons learned within their books. That seems to be what I'm getting a lot these days and it's working really well. But similar to Jenny, I do cookbooks. That's probably my passion. If I could do cookbooks full time, I would do cookbooks full time. Um, but cookbooks, I do fiction and nonfiction. And if you're interested in working with me, uh, ask me. And I will be really honest. And I, I do know several editors that are very talented. So if I don't do what you want me to do, I can refer you to somebody who does. And I'm happy to do so. Absolutely. All right, Dakota. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like <laughs> blanking all of a sudden. Uh, you can find me at dakotanight.com. And, um, you know, the, I've discovered that the ideal person I work with is um, someone that I call a heart-led entrepreneur or an artistic entrepreneur. Um, my very favorite clients are the ones that are artisans in some fashion, even if what I'm helping them write or edit is not necessarily related to their craft. Mm -hmm. um so that it's very interesting uh how that comes about and um i've had some really fun projects that i've really enjoyed doing with people who are like that and so uh like jenny i i do copywriting i also do editing um like i said i work primarily with artists car artist entrepreneurs or um, coaches and oddly a fishing guide I have a fishing guide, <laughs> but, um, guide. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> no. Um, but you know, just like everybody else, if you're interested in working with me and get in touch and let's talk about it. And if I can't help you, then I will make sure that you find somebody who can. All right, Jody. You can find me at my website, jodybrandoneditorial.com or same social media links. Um, my ideal client is probably probably a female entrepreneur, solopreneur, creative entrepreneur, blogger in that realm who wants to serve their business with a book, um, grow their platform, do it in conjunction with a speaking um, career usually, and is just looking for a partner to sort of like guide them through the writing and editing and publishing process. Mm -hmm. So awesome. All right. Uh, so you have five very diverse uh, editors here. 
Um, I've had the pleasure of working with all of them and I recommend them all highly, highly, highly. So um, thank you so much, ladies, for, for thank participating. You. Thank you. Thank, thank you. I think it's really important part of the process and it's really important that people understand why it's such an important part of the process. So um, it took six people to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> to drive them. No, I'm just kidding. I really I appreciate it. And um, I, this has been a, a really fun experience for me. Thanks, Alexa. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you Alexa. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.